Welcome to The Grind, a podcast about the church planting process and missional strategies to make disciples of all nations. Coming to you from the offices of the Arkansas Baptist State Convention in Little Rock, Arkansas. Now, here are your hosts, Dave McClung and Chad Grigsby. Welcome back to The Grind, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, We are excited to be back. Uh, This is Dave McClung, as always, and is with me the lovely... um, Bodaciously profound and uh, incredible Chad Grigsby. I am the Starsky to your hutch, Dave. I am. <laughs> and once Stars- again, a reference nobody Stars- will get <laughs> who is under 30. So uh, for all you people uh, out there, I, I just have to say, in, in that line of, of commentary, um, I've been doing some research and I'm finding that none of the young people that we work with know what a CB radio is. Oh. And I've never heard of having a CB handle. Uh, One Nick Burt, our production minister, is uh, such a case. And uh, his education failed somewhere. Um, Although he did connect that with the movie Smokey and the Bandit. Yes. So he got half a point there for not being a complete imbecile. Well, and uh, (laughs) the other day on my Facebook memories, which tells you how old I am, I still have a Facebook. uh, It came up, there was this cassette tape that a kid found in like a ditch. And it was a Leonard Skinner cassette tape. And his son found it and came up to his dad and said, Dad, look what I found. Is this from the Civil War? (laughs) (laughs) It was a Leonard Skinner cassette tape. So well, close. Uh, but no, not. they're trying to start another civil war, son. <laughs> and uh, the South will rise again. That's going to start so, in Alabama. There you so, go. Uh, anyway, so let's see. We've offended millennials. Yep. We've offended rednecks. Yep. Uh, Southern Rock fans. Anybody else you want? Uh, let's, let's see how else we can work this. I'm in. sure we'll do some more yeah, damage. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're just getting started, folks. So uh, uh, just come <clears throat> join the ride with us. Hey, it should be said that we are sitting at the brand new podcasting table yes. that was handcrafted by our own production minister, Nick Burt. Yes. Go for wood and pitch. So maybe look for pictures on the interwebs. Yes. Possibly. On the Twitters. Yes. And so, uh, so you can, you know, Stare in amazement as we are. It's very nice. <laughs> it is very nice, no, very and well uh, we're excited to have it. So uh, no more wires on the table, you know, really, mm-hmm. and so which makes Nick happy because he's a little OCD about that stuff. So uh, so that's good stuff. All right. Well, we are excited to have live via the Skypes, uh, none other than Matt Hess from Toronto. I don't even know how to do a Canadian accent. Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Toronto. 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 Do they say hoser a lot up there? No, never. Never? They should. <laughs> hey? Yeah. yeah. Maybe out west a little bit. Yeah. So, Toronto's uh, way too cool for that nonsense. So oh. Toronto, or so the movie Strange Brew with Bob and Doug McKenzie is not a reflection of Toronto. Is what oh, that, no, but it's a, it's a, um, it's a popular movie. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Is it really sure. up there? I mean, do they, oh, yeah. Do they yeah, love, people that? love it? Yeah. <laughs> most, most younger people have never heard of it or, you know, but right. yeah. Hey, hey, we are here to educate a younger generation on, right. on things more than no. just church planning. Well, we're going to jump in an interview with Matt. And so Matt, kind of tell us about uh, your ministry journey uh, and kind of leading up to you planting in Toronto. Yeah, so uh, we were pastoring a church in northwest Mississippi, and we were um, finishing up our last year's seminary there at Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary in Memphis, and um, right there on the, the border of uh, uh, you know Tennessee, uh, Mississippi, and man, we had been at that church for about 18 months, and God was doing some cool things. Uh, we, I think we baptized like 30 people in the first 18 months, and, and uh, church was really starting to grow and, and have some healthy things happening. But kind of in the midst of all that, um, God just began talking to my wife and I about something different. And so we just prayed and fasted, asked God um, and what that might be. And out of all of that, uh, you know, searching, it was it was church planting. And uh, we were really hesitant to get into church planting. This was 2010 at the time. And uh, really hesitant at at that point in time because I felt like a lot of a lot of my peers uh, in ministry were getting into church planning because it was 
Um, you know, I'd hear a lot of guys say, well, I'm going to go start my own church and, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I don't want to deal with the, you know, like, uh, deacons and, and all this <laughs> kind of stuff and, and, and bad leadership, you know, models and, and structure, church structures and stuff like that. And, you know, I just, we, we thought, well, that's a terrible reason to start a church, you know, um, cause we, we all know there's problems on both sides of the coin. Right. And yeah. so, uh, the more we prayed about it, though, we just couldn't get away from this idea, you know, that God was calling us to plant uh, churches. And um, really, we decided, uh, asked the Lord, just took a season, you know, try to keep faithfully serving where we were, uh, pastoring and asking God, you know, where it would be. And um, and so we, we really had three dreams on the table. We wanted to plant in a place that was big. Uh, to multiply. We wanted to plant in a place that was very uh, diverse. And we wanted to plant in a place where there was a huge need. And so Canada fit all three of those. Um, and I was sitting in chapel one day at, at Mid America last uh, last year there. And the chapel speaker was uh, interim president for NAM at the time. Uh, this is where uh, Dr. Zell came on. And uh, Richard Harris was his name. You guys know mm-hmm. Dr. Yeah, Harris. Yeah, Richard. Yeah, and Richard was talking about the need to plant churches in, in tough places in, in North America. And he said, you know, we need to plant churches in places like Seattle and Los Angeles and, uh, you know, uh, all these different places in, in New York City. And, and then he said, we need to plant churches in the most lost region in all of North America. And, you know, my ears really perked up. And he said, Canada. And that's when it just like really gripped my heart. And um, I can't really explain it still to this day, but I knew that when he said Canada, like we were heading to Canada. Yeah. Um, and so I went home and told my wife, I said, hey, I think I know where God's telling us to go. And she said, where? You know, like Puerto Rico, Florida, <laughs> Tampa, close. Miami. Close. Said, close. Canada. And uh, <laughs> he's like, I don't think you're listening to the Holy Spirit problem. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, she came around eventually and she, she knew we took a season again to pray and fast. And after that, you know, she came back and said, man, God is just breaking my heart for Canada. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we still can't describe it, why God called us here, but we're thankful he has for sure. So that's yeah. how we got here. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Cool. You, you guys have had, uh, a really amazing sending and partnering church in first Baptist Carterville. Yeah. Um, tell us how you guys got partnered up with them and what's been the biggest blessing from your partnership. Oh man. Um, well, Collierville First Baptist is, is like really special. Um, you know, Chad, Chad knows my story a little bit uh, better than you may, Dave, but I, I preached the Bible for six years and actually went through Bible college, was licensed, ordained, and got saved actually while serving on staff at Collierville First Baptist as their college young singles pastor. And um, got saved in 2007. And uh, from 2004 to 2007, God just kept convicting me of sin and, and really showing me I wasn't a true follower of his. And uh, so that really did something special um, in, in 07. And so the pastor of that church, Chuck Herring, uh, is my mentor. And uh, Chuck, you know, to his credit, didn't fire me after, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but but also to his credit, he kind of stripped me of all responsibilities. He kind of just said, you know, we're not you're not going to really lead anymore. I'm going to disciple you. I'm going to keep you. We're going to keep you on staff and I'm going to disciple you for a year. And that's basically what he did. And he just kind of took me under his wing and taught me what it meant to follow Jesus, to walk with Jesus, um, really live the spirit filled life. And um, and so, yeah. And, and so because our relationship was so special, uh, Carvel first has just been an incredibly special place for us over the years. And when I went to Chuck and said, Hey, I really feel like God has calling us to plant churches in Canada. And he said, you know, we want to send you, we want to, we want to partner with you guys. Um, and so we, we came on staff there for another year, um, and from, uh, 2011 to 12 and did a one year residency with them. And, uh, they actually started that program for us. And, uh, and so they're, they're phenomenal, man. I, I think the greatest ways to answer your question though, I think the greatest ways that they support us is just through constant prayer. They, you know, the finances, a, a good sitting church will be like your biggest contributor financially. They should be in my yeah. opinion. And so like they, they got a lot of skin in the game in that regard. Um, you know, they, but they have a mantra of saying like, if, if you fell, like we fell and, yeah. um, they, they just really hold up our arms. You know, I always think of that 
Jethro, you know, Moses moment. Um, and, and not Jethro Tolra, Dave, uh, you know, but, uh, <laughs> but, but, but I always, I always think of that in my mind because like, you know, church planning is hard and it's really hard in places like Toronto. And uh, they just we know they've got our backs and, um, you know, through prayer, support and all those kinds of things. So, yeah, they're really incredible. Mm. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, and, and I tell you, we hear over and over and over again that, you know, the financial help is great, but the relationship and the prayer support are are far and above the, the two most important things. And uh, and I and I don't think it's just been lip service from anybody that we've talked to. I mean, it's all been, you know, very legitimate without the prayer support, without that close relationship, the holding up of the arms, the, you know, the weighing in, uh, waiting in to do life with you on that, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just, just uh, phenomenal. So uh, uh, we hear that over and over and over again. Yeah, Yeah. I think a city church can really make or break a planner. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you guys know the statistics, but I mean, the, the numbers tell us that churches that plant with a healthy sending church versus churches that don't. I mean, there's no comparison. You yeah. Know? Every ch- every church needs uh, a church or two to yeah. really be their sending sending church. Yeah. Do you have a stat on that? Like a number? I've heard ninety. Or... That's that's what I've heard over and over again. Wow. Is ninety percent? Yeah. yeah. Wow. I've heard that that that's kind of uh, that's kind of the number we use up here. Um, so I wouldn't quote me on that, but that's, that's what I've heard. Continuously. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm in the middle of doctoral work. So everything, every number I say, I feel like someone's going to like, look it up and uh, <laughs> harass me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Don't, don't email Matt. What is, what is your Matt. source for that information? <laughs> that's <laughs> so. exactly right. Yeah. Kate Turabian would be very disappointed in you. In that's right. Footnoting. He's going to get you. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So okay, so you know, you guys have planted in Toronto uh, from day one. Have had a vision of being a multiplying church, not just to plant a church, but to plant a church that plants churches. Yeah. And so, kind of talk about you know how you you know kind of cultivated that that DNA and mindset. Uh, you know the blessings and challenges. You know how did you guys budget for that? Where are you finding planters? You know, kind of all the aspects of. This whole multiplication question for you guys. What does that look like for you? Yeah, man, that that's the heart of everything we do. We we want to multiply. When, when we first came here, um, we moved here in July 2012, and we're on the east end of the city. And so we're about uh, 25 minutes from downtown. And um, we came out here because there was no work going on out here um, in terms of you know Canadian National Baptist Convention, which is the, the Southern Baptist arm of Canadian Baptist. And um, – and so we came out here and very much kind of pioneering and some some territory and uh, we we didn't have a core team and so it was just our family you know and uh, we came out here and, and just started really asking God to give us a vision for what He wanted us to be about and we knew that uh, He wanted us to do something unique in terms of how we were going to reach our target goal and all those kinds of things. And, and, uh, one day I, I woke up, um, early and I, and I came down to our basement. And I just started praying, asking God to show me some things. And at the time, uh, a leader had encouraged me to read the gospels from a church planning perspective, specifically the way in which Jesus interacted with the 12 apostles. Hmm. And so that, that I started to, did it, uh, to really dig into that, those relationships. And, and it, it was really fascinating to me. Be, like, um, I don't think we think of Jesus as a church planter. Yeah. And I don't think we think of like the 12 disciples as a church planter. Uh, but a guy named John Wooster, who was my early coach in church planting, he, he really taught me some of those principles. And I'm so thankful he did because it laid a groundwork for how um, we're, we're, we are really careful with picking leaders to invest and pour into. Mm. Um, you know, Jesus couldn't pour into the masses all the time, but he really should, should strategically chose to to pour into the few. And so um, that day in my basement, God just really solidified this vision of of 12 churches in 10 years under a banner called the Fellowships. And the the 12 really comes because I just believe in leadership. I just mm-hmm. think I've seen church plants with a half a million dollars in their bank account. They got the coolest show on the block and a year from the launch, they're nowhere to be found. Um, you know, I, I've seen churches that have anything and everything in their son and they don't last. And and I think that what really makes a lasting church is the spirit yielded anointed leader yeah. that, that wakes up every day and says, 
man, if I, if, if God doesn't do this through me, like I'm in big trouble. And, uh, so that's, that's where our heart for multiplication came in. It, It really came from a passion for leadership development. And, and so once God gave us that vision of 12 churches in 10 years, man, we just started to, to, to pursue it. And so just some practical ways we get asked this question all the time. And, um, you, you know, you have to cast vision, cast vision, cast vision, <laughs> then cast vision some more. Yeah. Like, uh, our first preview service was I, uh, April 28, 2013. And the first service, the first preview service to still to this day, we talk about 12 churches in 10 years, almost every single Sunday. Um, we, we talk about it in our worship gatherings. We talk about it in our small groups. We talk about it in our discipleship relationships. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's really, really important. And then, you know, we tell planners, you got to stick with the vision. You, you got to bang the drum. You know, uh, we use a terminology you guys have probably heard a lot. It's, it's called just chop the wood. You know, uh, what does a lumberjack do every day? He goes into yeah. the woods and he chops the wood, you know, <laughs> and it's like a coach. You got to chop the wood. <laughs> it's so easy because church planners, they get so discouraged when they don't see the fruit yeah. and you just got to go and you got to chop the wood and you got to, you got to go back to those moments where God has birthed that vision in the leader's heart and say, I'm not going to go away from this no matter what, because I know it's from the Lord. And, um, we, we've even had people leave our church because uh, they'll say, well, I think we should be putting all of our resources into fellowship pickering. We're not even that big of a church. Like we don't have any business to keep on multiplying and planting. Um, and, and, and it's hard. It's really hard to multiply. Um, and, and so you, you have to keep it in front of the people and those kinds of things. Yeah. So, so you guys are how big now? Uh... We'll, we'll average between 75 and 100 on a Sunday okay. morning. Yeah. Right. And yeah. you've planted and we'll have really down days. Like last Sunday we had 52 in service. Yeah. You know? so we'll, have really, we'll have really low days sometimes just yeah. like any other. Church. Yeah. And and you've already launched another church or two churches. Yeah. We, we, uh, we launched the second church in March of 2015 and then we launched the third church in October of 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're preparing to launch the fourth one. Um, hopefully, uh, within the next year, we're starting to prepare that guy. Yeah, he's he's been with us from the very beginning, though. And so, yeah. so are yeah. your planters coming from within? Are you having guys come up and join you uh, from outside, or or where? Yeah, both and. So, like the guy that we're currently preparing, um, you know, we uh, just man, that's just a that's just a God thing. We found him. He's the first Canadian I ever met just knocking on doors first door I ever knocked on in Canada it was him his name's James Greaves and um, he, he didn't know Christ and you know 21 at the time and six months later just discipling him he ended up coming to Christ and then you know about uh, six months after that he called me up one day and said man I don't know what you're gonna think about this but I, I just really think God wants me to become a church planner and um, <laughs> And so he he was a truck driver, uh, quit his truck driving job so he could really resonate under us full time, and even even move back in with his family so that he could um, save money and and learn church planning. He's been with us from the very beginning now, so wow. four years. Yeah. And, uh, so we'll plant. So like so to answer your question, Dave, like is it like James? You know, that's the that's the ideal. We want to plant mm-hmm. from the yeah. harvest, right? right? You want to yeah. get into the harvest, right. um, and, and then. Um, our other planter, uh, case of Ambalasingham, he's originally from Sri Lanka. Uh, but he is, um, he, he's planting, he planted our, our second church in Scarborough and he's Canadian. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then our, um, our third church planner, uh, Jared Huntley is from Austin, Texas. And so Jared came up from Austin, uh, got connected with us and just really fell in love with the vision. Uh, so when you, that's kind of if you notice the order we said that that's kind of the order we want to go in yeah we want to find the planters in the harvest and then indigenous canadians and then americans and it sounds like it sounds almost you know um like uh kind of hypocritical coming from an american saying that but but the reality of it is is that the learning curve for me was just too steep and uh, we made a lot of mistakes uh and you know, I'm seeing our, our Canadian planners, like they're not making those mistakes. Uh, yeah. and we're teaching them good. I, I feel anyways, uh, good <laughs> church planning tools and principles 
and then man, they're just killing it because they know the context. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it just makes it a lot easier. Yeah. yeah. I think that officially makes you a good missionary, though. It might. <laughs> yeah. It might not be like you said, yeah. hypocritical, but that that's exactly yeah. the point. So that's that's really neat to see uh, you guys doing that. You guys are doing kind of uh, we've had some conversations on this podcast about are you doing a farm system or a finishing school seems like you guys are dabbling in both yeah but but, and and you really it almost makes sense that you have to because uh james who you said has been with you guys from the beginning he's going to have a longer runway because he's going from absolutely not not knowing jesus to church planter that's a longer process than a guy say coming from austin and you want to be planting churches as you go so you can't just wait four years to do something so sure. is that is that is that part of your strategy thinking i'm i'm thinking out loud but that may not be what you're thinking is that oh no, absolutely i mean listen even paul had to go off into the desert right for a little yeah. bit and um i mean i think that uh you like that didn't you chad that was deep right there. that was deep that that, man. that, that truth i laid that down was life-changing right? yeah man but dropping like, some gold <laughs> <laughs> but like but the but the reality of it is is that um, it, it has been, and, and, you know, James would tell you like, it's been very messy. I mean, you know, you, uh, when you take guys from the harvest and, and they come to Christ and then they're wrestling through identity problems and, and all these different issues and stuff like that, you, you have to, you have to start to show them just what it means to follow Jesus. You know, even after a guy is called to preach or called to, to plant churches, they need so much, you know, care. They need so much shepherding um, in, in some of those early stages. Uh, but the, the most important thing is they just need to be around the planter. They need yeah. to be around you. Um, it, I think one of the coolest things is I took James down um, to Dallas for a, a conference, and we were around all these church planters and and uh, some of these church plant. You know, these guys are killing it, man. They're in places like Los Angeles and in tough places planting rock solid churches and. Um, we got done. We went back to the hotel, and we were kind of recapping the night. And James said, "You know, I was nervous coming down here, but I actually knew more about church playing than some of these guys did." <laughs> <laughs> and, and so we got to unpack that. I said, "Well, why do you think that is?" And and he said, "I was so nervous because I don't have like the theological training that these guys do, but the the questions they were they were asking, like I could jump right in because like I feel like I'm on the front lines." Yeah. And so that was really cool for me. Um, cool. And so that that's what we want to do. We just want to cultivate guys wherever they're at. Um, and they can come from different different locations, different places. But ideally, it's here, right? Yeah. It's local. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's absolutely. Yeah. We, are, we are trying to establish uh, – we are – Arkansas Baptist State Convention, Dr. Sonny Tucker would say we are a network of churches. We're a family of churches. Uh, but we specifically are trying to do church planting networks in the state that are kind of more regional, kind of more local, yeah. uh, for church planting for church planters. I know that's kind of y'all's vision is to have a Mm -hmm. network of fellowship churches. Yeah. Uh, help, help us think about what you guys, what your vision is for that, what your thought is for that, that might help some of our guys who are either engaged in a network or even us as strategists who are trying to, you know, formulate that, just share, share your vision for what your network would look like of fellowship churches. So, I mean, you've done some of that, but you see what I'm asking? Yeah. No, I got you, man. Yeah. Okay. It, that's good. Um, I think for us, you know, we, 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 t- we, this past year has been really like a strategic year for us because, um, we've had to learn as God has stretched us. We've, you know, it's kind of like when God calls you to something, you, you think, well, I can never do this. And you're so afraid. And then God does it, you know, cause he, he delights in working through people or who are afraid and dependent on him. And then he moves and he works and all those kinds of things. And you get kind of cozy. You're like, Oh yeah, this is working, you know? And then he stretches you. And then yeah. he's like, Nope, I want to take it to a whole nother place. <laughs> and so I think this past year, that's kind of where we've been at. We've been trying to ascertain vision for a network versus just fellowship pickering. And so it's been really, really healthy. Um, we, we've had to make some some tough decisions in terms of how I'm going to be spending my time and and who else we need to be inviting onto the team and and those kinds of things. But for us, what we see always first and foremost is that we work under the umbrella of the SIN network, North American Mission Board, Southern Baptist. We want to make it always like very clear that the fellowships, church planning network, the reason why we, for lack of better terms, have, have branded a, a network on the east end of Toronto 
is so that local planters can have a deeper uh, brotherhood and unity mm. uh, about what we're doing. Does that make yeah. sense? Yes. So, yep. so, so they so they can really say like, man, we like for so we have a saying like you know we we've kind of like planted a flag in the ground on the east end, the tip of downtown, and the north region of the greater Toronto area. So that's 2.1 million people mm. that the fellowships network, like we're taking accountability for mm. their, um, their eternal destination. And, and, and so for, for us, the biggest reason why we felt like we wanted to, um, establish the fellowships network is for that, those, those reasons, brotherhood, unity, um, uh, family. We all know church planners usually don't stay on the field because of, you know, other issues. It's usually because of isolation. They're, you know, they're isolated. It's lonely. Um, you know, it's it's tough in the beginning stages. And so we wanted to create something that could be extremely unified. And now with that being said, uh, much like I'm guessing, like if you guys are in Little Rock and you started up like, a, you know, a network of churches, well, you're still going to be under the umbrella of the Arkansas State Baptist. Right, right. Right. Um, all across the state. That's kind of how we are. So mm. we're under the umbrella of Sin Toronto. Um, you know, we, we have the, the greatest, you know, city missionary and, and catalyst and Brett Porter and Andrew Lammy, you know, in North America. I love those guys. Um, and George Ross is like right below them, like 17th down on the list, I think. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> that may be overly optimistic. So. <laughs> Maybe 31st. Uh, yeah, but, uh, but <laughs> let's see, there's 32 Sin cities. So yeah. yeah he's yes. 34. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So yeah, the, the network thing is uh, what we, what we've seen. That's really cool, man, is I'll give you a perfect example. Yesterday I did a, um, when, when partners came, come in now, like to work with our teams, uh, to work with our churches, we actually they actually go through an orientation with myself and a couple other leaders for the entire network. And so, this this particular partner was from Durham, North Carolina. He was a uh, th- this church was a a partner with our uh, plant in Oshawa Fellowship Oshawa, and Jared Huntley, our our planner there, who's doing they're doing an incredible job, just killing it. And he asked me if we would do an orientation with this partner. And so we did that, and we're starting to do that with all three churches, all partners, to really, instead of just thinking one church, like don't partner with Fellowship Rouge Park or Fellowship Pickering, partner with the Fellowships Network. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's been a huge, uh, it's taken us a little bit of time to, to for our planners and for everybody to kind of change the frame of thinking, mm. but that's been really big for us. And yeah. what we've seen is a lot more, um, you know, I hate these little catch words or catch phrase, whatever, but we've seen a lot better alignment in like in vision. So like all partners in all three churches, like they're all in with all three churches, essentially. Does that make sense? Yep. Absolutely. Yep. That's good. Yeah. 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 Good. Well, and that just keeps some common DNA elements and yeah. uh, common vision and, you know, so I, I think that just strengthens, you know, each of the churches well, you know, that much more. And the whole basis, well, I say the whole basis. One of the main pillars for why we are Southern Baptists is we believe we can do more together than right. we can alone. Absolutely. So, absolutely. you know, it's, it's key. Absolutely. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. And I was going to say this too. You know, it's what you said, Dave, earlier about the same DNA, that, that is so important because one of the hard lessons we've learned this past year is, I'll give you an example. We had four planters that were that went through our assessment. You know, we thought, man, these guys are all gonna like be great and all this kind of stuff. It's six months post assessment, red flag, red flag, red flag, red flag. Okay. And we've all been there, done that, you know, got the t shirt kind of thing with planters. But it's when when we looked at it, we, we had enough DNA in what we were doing just to simply say, Man, we love you, you love us. But this isn't going to be a good fit. Yeah, you know, um, just you, your 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 model for attraction. One, one guy was really bent towards the attractional model. That's just not who we are. Yeah. And so instead of doing this all the time, you know, button heads, you know, let's let's just decide now to part ways and and you know champion you and what you go and do um, in the future. But you have to, and that's uh, we coach planners all the time. You have to protect vision. Yep. You can't, you can't let anybody come in and and rob vision. 
because everybody wants to multiply. Everybody wants to say, you know, when we saw that, we said, man, we're, we're going to get to seven churches in four years and uh, forget 12. Let's make it 1,200, you know, or something like that. <laughs> and and uh, but God has a way of, you know, just humbling you and, and uh, showing you some things. So that was good for us. It was a good opportunity for us to kind of realign and say, this is what we're going to be about. And mm. it's going to take some hard decisions. But once you have that DNA, that, that vision – those values can really steer the bus of, of where you're wanting to go. Yeah. 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 Well, and each of those locations is going to have some measure of contextual expression. I mean, it's going to reflect that context, but you know, the, any kind of network is only going to be as strong as you know, what you're united around. Mm. That's right. And, that's uh, good. and so that, you know, yeah. that DNA becomes real important. So that, yeah. that's awesome. That's awesome. So, okay, so I've been thinking about this question quite a bit here lately, not just in the Toronto context, but just in, in Arkansas as well. And, and, you know, particularly in a place like Toronto that's this you know, massively large city, you know, greater metropolitan areas, what, 6 million, 7 million, something like that? Yeah, yeah about, about 6.8. Yeah. Wow. And so, I mean, just so many people. Uh, and what what would be the what would be the percentage of professing believers? Do you think in in Toronto? Yeah, we we would say four uh, percent evangelical. Okay, okay. At, at the best. So so very post Christian environment. Uh, yeah. If there yeah. was ever a really Christian environment to begin with, you know. Yeah. And so you know, with that, you just I'm convinced in those environments, an attractional model just does not work and last. Yeah. Uh, and so so what are some things in that environment? Because we have some of those contexts in Arkansas as well, even though mm. we're less likely to acknowledge them as post-Christian. Right. Uh, what are some things you guys have done and seen that have really connected well? Like the the planner you got, the first guy you met knocking on a door. You know, what yeah. was it that really connected with him that was meaningful to him that drew him to Jesus? Yeah. You know, what are some of those things that have, you know, you've been able to use to really wade into that post-Christian environment and see some success? Yeah. I, well, I, I would say this, first of all, the it's all going post-modern. I mean, it's all, it's all going, you know, it's all going post-Christian. Yeah. Um, most Americans, especially in the South, you know, our brothers, sisters, they just haven't realized it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but, but it's all heading that way. Most, most, most experts would say that Canada's about 10 years ahead of the states in terms of post-modernity, secularism, all that kinds of all those kinds of things, and so um, you know the most important thing that we've discovered is uh, we we say this all the time: nothing trumps relationship, nothing. Yeah. So like re- relationship is the most important. But when when I first got into church planning, you know, I, I found a lot of church planners they would they would think in a uh, in a this or that mentality you know for example you know, you know you you can't knock on doors and 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 share the gospel i mean that's that's what they do in like places like alabama you know arkansas and <laughs> arkansas you know mississippi you, you can't do that and and others say well you don't you don't really have to serve uh your your community uh you know only be bold in evangelism and then others will say well just you know it's just good deeds you know pass out cold bottles of water you know on 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 a hot summer day and people will get saved and uh, you know what we've discovered is that we have to take we can't afford to take like a, a this or that approach. It's everything. Yeah. Like we do it all, it all. Like so, we knock on doors. We we pass out bottles of water on hot summer days. We you know we give out hot cocoa and winter kits in the in the winter time. We we do all those things that you know are not you know, uh, earth shattering in terms of, you know, churches haven't ever heard before. We serve our community. We try to do that well. Um, but, but we think in multiple front doors, I, I don't think that you can, you can try to peg. I think we get in trouble personally. This is just, you know, my opinion. I think we get in trouble regardless of the context. When we start to try to peg a culture for, this is how we're going to reach that culture. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like, mm-hmm. well, like so, some people will say, well, I got to know this guy for seven years and become his kid's godparent before I can ever <laughs> share the gospel with him. Yeah. You know, like, I, I mean, I, personally, like, I don't agree with that. Yeah. I don't I don't think that's true either. Um, and so 
you have to have multiple front doors. So our Sunday morning worship service is a front door. Yeah. It's a front door. Our our small groups, we call them life groups. Our life groups are front doors. Um, the way we serve our community uh, is a front door. And you you just never know what it is that's going to connect with a person. Um, you, you know, for for James, you, you know, it was he just we were doing surveys that day, and on the last question. We ask the question, six questions. The last question we say, what do you think about Jesus? And up to that point, James would have told you he was a Christian because, like, his grandfather was a Christian. And uh, when when I asked him that question, he couldn't answer it. He couldn't say anything. He was mm-hmm. literally speechless. Um, and so for him, it was – if you think of, like, on a scale of zero to ten, he was probably like a seven, just waiting for somebody to come along and – share the gospel and yeah. and and for him his uh he he needed an an older figure to really come in and love him and a male figure to love him and invest in him and teach him what it meant to be a godly man hmm. you know as I learned how to be a godly man and and all those kinds of things and so for him that's what it was for him other people like you know we'll send out a mailer we do mailers you know we'll send out a mailer and you know uh, people will come to, from a mailer and they'll and they'll come and they just want to sit on the on the back row in an elementary school gym and hear what we're all about you know because they went to a candlelight service one time when they were 10 years old and they're going through a point of crisis in their life and they 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 think that maybe god can help them with some of that stuff yeah. right and so it's it's all about whatever the Holy Spirit's doing in somebody's life at that particular person. We've had people come to our church because of yard signs that we've mm. had in yards. We've had people come to our church through personal invitation. We've had people come to our church because we knock on doors. And so we've had people come to our church because of our website. And even in a place like this, uh, you have to have multi multiple lines in the water if that makes sense yeah yeah yeah, yeah. sounds like sounds like james was really a person of peace uh, absolutely for you guys uh yeah that's, absolutely. that's cool yeah. yeah we we ask this question to every every guy we interview usually what is what's one thing if you could tell our planters you know one thing to planters out there one piece of advice i know you'd tell them a lot of things but what's what's kind of that one thing that you feel like i just i've got to tell you this you need to know this what would you be, what would it be yeah, I, I think when we first got into church planning, there were so many, you got to do this and you got to do that and, and, and this model and this method and all those kinds of things. I would just say above anything and everything else, seek to be spirit-filled, really seek to be spirit-filled. Like every single day, wake up and yield yourself to Christ, yield your mind to Christ, yield your, yield your body to Christ, yield your heart to Christ, yield your appetite to Christ, yield all those things to Jesus and, and really – Ask the Spirit to fill you and anoint you. I, be, I believe that. That's that. That's the key. And um, character will always trump competencies. Always. Yeah. Always. 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 You know, it. The it, in the best case scenario, the guy's competent and he's got character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But but you know the. So they're the not mutually exclusive. Is what you're <laughs> yeah, saying. You don't have to choose. Mutually, we don't. We don't. We don't just want to look for people that can't do anything. But you know. Um, well, you're but, talking to two guys that can't do anything. So we're well, champions yeah. of the mediocre. We are, we are, and sometimes we almost reach mediocrity. And uh, yeah, what we strive for. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's good thought, Matt. Appreciate your time. We want to do some rapid fire now. Uh, we we want to go through the, the this is uh, the kind of the every questions we ask every guest. These are the uh, burning questions yeah, our right. listening public wants nice. to know. You're listening uh, public. I like it, man. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. About six of us. Matthew W. Hess. I don't <laughs> even know what your full name is. What's your name? Full name? Matthew Daniel Hess. Daniel. Daniel. Matthew D. That's right. It's a very biblical D- name. Very, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, give us top one or two books that had the most impact on you. Uh, the Saving Life of Christ by Major Ian Thomas. Okay. Incredible book. And um, let's see. Pursuing Holiness by Tozer, hmm. who pastored here, by the way. In really? Toronto. In Toronto? He really? Did. He did. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Is, it I, still, is the church still going? No. they. Um, it, it became, I believe it became a, or I don't remember the domination. I think it was United Church, but I believe it got sold to uh, 
like a temple, some sort of Hindu temple yeah, or something. Interesting. Wow. Oh, wow. wow. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. yeah. A church that Tozer pastored. Hey. That can happen to anybody. <laughs> Goodness. It's so, happened a lot here. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, biggest strength in ministry, biggest weakness challenge to overcome. Oh, wow. Golly. The weakness would definitely be um, organization, you know, administration. I think I'm probably not in that boat alone with most church planners. No. I'm, I'm very type A. And so we just, we actually just hired a ministry assistant for me and for the network. So she's, she's helped me a ton. On her first day, I had 2,490 emails. And so for the <laughs> for the first two weeks, all she did was clean my emails out. So. so can we just take a minute and pray for her? What's her name? Let's yeah. pray for her. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Do you have Lord, a strength? Lord, please bless her. Do you have a strength, Matt, or just a weakness? Uh, <laughs> I, I love people, man. I, I yeah. love people. And I think communication is in there. I love to communicate. I love to preach God's word. I love to uh, love to find new ways to communicate to people, especially in a – in a postmodern context. Yeah. Yeah. Besides uh, watching the horrendous Oklahoma Sooner football team. Oh, he's a boomer Sooner? He's a Sooner, man. And Tennessee has played them a lot. Okay, what's your favorite hobby or pastime? Uh, I love I love to read. I love to spend time with, you know, my kids. I don't I don't really have a ton of hobbies. I love, I, to, I, I love to read and reorganize my pocket protector. <laughs> that's that's right. my favorite thing to do on the weekends. Yeah, that's exactly right, man. That's exactly right. I used to play golf until we had four kids. Yeah. And then it's like, there's no yeah. money. Yeah, so. wait, wait, wait. So your wife won't let you be gone for four or five hours at a time and spend $60? I know, right? I don't know. That seems irresponsible. She is so <laughs> it's demanding. So unloving. It's demanding. That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> All right. Uh, favorite movie? Oh gosh, man, that's a tough one. Favorite movie? Wow, I have no idea. Off the top of my head, <laughs> I have no idea. Off the top of my head, wow. Okay, most recent I I movie you watched that you love? A movie that I watched. What now? You're the most recent movie you watched that you enjoyed then? Oh gosh. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, the uh, you know. <laughs> we we watch Meet the Robinsons. You know Meet the Robinsons. Yeah, I love yeah. that movie, man. That's a good one. And the uh, Incredibles. That would be high on my list. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Spoken yeah. like a true father. That's right. That's right. Do you have a favorite band or musician? Um. Gosh. The Oklahoma marching band. Is that your favorite? <laughs> <laughs> Not really. I'm kind of a loser. Listen to these questions. Wow, I need to get a life. <laughs> I, like, I like classic rock. I like 70s, a lot of 70s classic rock. Um, Leonard Skinner, you had mentioned Leonard Skinner. Yeah, yeah. The old, the old Aerosmith stuff. Yeah. Um, and of course, I like just all, all worship stuff. I, I started uh, really getting into um, Austin Stone's worship. That yeah. stuff, they, they got a lot of good things. Yeah. And then whatever Chad Grigsby puts out. Yes. A, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. I needed that last. Best-selling Thank songwriter. You. Thank you. Yeah. At the oh, Arkansas Baptist yeah. State Convention. My album went aluminum. I think that's like ten <laughs> copies. Yeah. So yeah. Not thick aluminum, but like ten full kind of yeah. aluminum. Hey, if you're looking for a great gift for Father's, Day, is this going to release? Oh, it's going to be no, post Father's be Day. Too, Never too mind. Late. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so like man. Thanksgiving. It's like five ninety nine on iTunes if you want to check it out. <laughs> nice. Yeah. A little nice. For <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Matt, for bringing that up. I'll hey, send you man, some royalties. <laughs> send me those royalty checks. That's right. That's right. My my half a cent check. <laughs> All right, Matt. Well, thanks so much, dude, for yeah, for hanging out with us and. Uh, uh, God bless you in Toronto, mm-hmm. and uh, looking forward to hanging out and get you back down to Arkansas again. Absolutely, my privilege, man. Thank, thanks for everything you guys are doing. Thanks for, thanks for everything the Arkansas State Convention does for us. We have multiple partners there, and they're they're really incredible. Now, I would say that if I was on like a you know a Tennessee's podcast too, but uh, I'm just joking. <laughs> but no, our, Arkansas State Baptists are great, man. You guys are doing some really cool things, so we really really appreciate everything you guys do for us. Thanks, man. Yep. Thanks, man. All right. Later. Adios. 
So, great interview with Matt. Uh, really like that guy. And I, I don't mm-hmm. know him that well. Just interacted when he was here mm-hmm. at the evangelism conference. And then, uh, of course, Chad went to seminary with him and everything. But yeah. doing some really great stuff in Toronto. And and a couple of things I, I don't want anybody to miss. Uh, and we talk about this quite a bit, that you don't have to be a large church to plant another church. Yeah. Uh, they're working on number four, and they run between 75 and 100. And they're four years old. And they're four years old. Yep. And so... You have to be large, you have to wait long. That's right. Yeah. And, 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 of course, you know, the need in Toronto is so great. I mean, right. that population is just staggering. It is staggering. And uh, to think of that... eight million. Yeah. How many in Arkansas? Uh, three, uh, 2.9. Three so, million, right at three so million. double in Toronto what's in all of Arkansas. What's in all of Arkansas. Yeah. yeah. And and he says, you know, they we've kind of taken over East Toronto, which is about two point one million. We're responsible for that. <laughs> what? Yeah. Uh, and so yeah. so if if you're gonna have any dent whatsoever, yeah. you have to multiply yeah. well and quickly. Right. And uh and so I, I thought that was incredible. Mm-hmm. So they're obviously doing I guarantee you not all these guys are fully funded. They're doing it with minimal resources, but the focus is on relationships and disciple making. Right. Multiple front doors. Yeah. You know, he said proclamation and demonstration mm-hmm. of the gospel. All of that. Um, you know, and so so this is they're not doing anything that our our church plants can't do. Yep. Um, and it just takes vision and heart and work ethic mm-hmm. and. Uh, um, so, you know, I, I wrote down, you know, what are your front doors? Mm. You know, how many opportunities are you giving people to connect with the gospel in your church? Um, so I think that's a great question to ask, uh, for our guys. Um, how, how, and then this character trumps competencies. Yep. I put that down. Yeah. How much, how much emphasis are you placing on the model and the method over the character and spiritual mm-hmm. disciplines? And of course, I've been on this spiritual disciplines kick here recently, really evaluating my life and trying to build in some practices that will strengthen my walk with Christ as well. And I, I tell you, I've just about become convinced that that's where we need to start and camp out mm. for a while. Because if we can get the the spiritual character uh, in in place, then all this other stuff is going to fall in place. Yeah. And uh, I, I just keep going back to you know what Dallas Willard said in his book. It, you know, if we're doing what Jesus does and walking as Jesus walks, then when we get into a situation, we won't have to ask, what would Jesus do? Because mm. we'll do what Jesus did. Wow. And I can't, I just haven't been able to get that statement out of my head. Yeah. And uh, I think he's, that's what they're trying to create there mm-hmm. with this guy, the first door they knocked on, and now he's planting. It's crazy. Church. It's awesome. It's, it's a great, great story. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I mean, even in Matt's, you know, what's the one thing that you would tell church planters? One bit of advice, it's like, be spirit-filled. Be filled with the Spirit. And I I think it goes back to John 15. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Yeah. You know, where where is your ministry coming from? Yeah. If it's not coming out of abiding in Jesus, it's coming from the wrong place. That's right. So, yeah, super good character trumps competency every time. Yeah. Uh. It's very good. A couple other things. All those things you said were great. Uh, I I really appreciated uh, him saying, you know, there's there's all these questions about how long should you wait to share the gospel. He's like, you got to be somebody's godfather or god <laughs> for to seven their, years. Yeah, you got to wait seven years. And you know what I was thinking? I was like, if you wait seven years to share the gospel with somebody that you're close enough to be a god parent to, you're probably not a Christian. <laughs> I, I just I because I've I've come down to this uh, similar with with people that I'm sharing Jesus with is we started sharing Jesus with them day one because Jesus is the most important thing in our lives. Right. And and if there, there is no waiting. There yeah. is, now, do you wait to share the Romans road or your, <laughs> yes, please don't do that. But, yeah. but have we been planting seed from day one with people that we're sharing Jesus with? Absolutely. Yeah. Because it's who we are. Yeah. So you don't have to wait. You don't have to be annoying. You don't have to be obnoxious. You don't have to force the gospel on people that don't want to hear it. Yeah. But can you have gospel conversations? Can you bring Jesus into your conversation? Uh, absolutely. And so, still be friends with those folks when they don't respond absolutely. to your invitations to have conversations about that right away. Right. And I think that's that's what 
it, you know, really draws people in when you you introduce Jesus into a conversation. They don't want to follow that conversation, and you still remain friends. Yes. They're going to ask, okay, they probably haven't had many of those experiences. Yes. Yeah. And so you just became more appealing to them, right? Uh, you know, because you love Jesus and you're not weird or pushy. Yeah. And so uh, that just stood out to me as yeah. just kind of a, when you think about church planting as you know trying to trying to penetrate the harvest and, and try to share the gospel with people. That's a good principle. Like, don't wait. Don't be pushy. Don't be annoying. Don't be whatever. But don't wait. If you're gonna talk about what you love, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, he also talked about something that I'm wrestling with uh, and trying to implement in my church planting process is where do we get planters from the harvest? Yeah. We need more planters in Arkansas from the harvest. We do. We need we need planters that are leading people to Jesus there than sending people out to plant yep. churches. Like that's I feel like church planting movement only happens when that's taking place. Yep. And so it's neat to see it in Toronto, but I think we need more of that. It's mean a longer runway. It means a longer incubation, but I feel like that's, that's, that is real. Not that other church planting is not real, but that, that to me is the heart of church planting. And I, and I think it's a legitimate question to ask and church planters out there. I think all of us need to be asking this question. Uh, do we have a plan for making a disciple who will then not just become a disciple maker, but will become a church maker, uh, a church planter. Um, Because those guys are there. Mm -hmm. They're just not given an opportunity and not ever pose the question. I I tell you, I think back to Shane Four, and Shane, if you're listening to this, you've become a poster child for some (laughs) of this. Shane Uh, became a believer several years ago. And his pastor, Jason Goad, who's a great friend of mine, has poured into him and really invested in him. Shane surrendered the ministry. And, uh, you know, Jason's pouring into him how to preach, giving him opportunities to do that, pouring into him how to share the gospel. Give He's got opportunities to do that. Shane's an evangelist, doing incredible stuff. And uh, and we are just having a conversation one day. I said, hey, you know, Shane, when are we going to plant a church together? And it was, and that was the conversation that, sent him that ruined him in, in a tailspin <laughs> yeah he'll tell you that it, it ruined him uh, and uh shane i think it made you better yeah and uh but he hadn't thought about that right but once somebody asked him the question then god would not allow him to let that go yes. and so here's a guy out of the harvest yes. who's now planting a church out of cornerstone yes. in harrisburg yes and he's going to be phenomenal but, but but here's the thing that matt said that that, that i'm making this connection is is it was a 12 years and 12 churches in 10 years or 10 churches in 12 years? Ten, I don't remember. What do you say? 10 it was churches? one of those, right? 12 so, churches in 10 years. 12 churches in 10 years. Okay. That's because that's the culture. Right. That's the, ex- he said, there, we rarely go a Sunday where we don't, where we don't mention 12 churches yep. in 10 years. Well, that's, that's exactly what you're saying. There are people in our churches sitting in our pews, sitting there thinking there's more, there's more that Jesus wants for me. There's more than being an usher, taking up the offering, yeah. you know, teaching a Sunday school class, whatever it may be. Well, are we giving them opportunity, the opportunity? Are we casting that vision? Are we in, what if we did? What yeah. would happen? I yeah. think we'd see more Shanes and people like that. Um, I do too. I, I'm reading, uh, rereading uh, The Forgotten Ways, Alan Hirsch, the revised mm-hmm. edition. He talks about the Wizard of Oz and how every character, you know, whether it's the, the one looking for a heart, looking for a brain, looking for courage, they they didn't need a wizard. They had it in them the whole time. They yeah. just needed a situation to bring it out in yeah. them. I shared that in, in message on Sunday, and I think that's where our people are. Yeah. They just need to be told. Yeah. Have you ever thought that God would want to use you to do something bigger than yeah. what you currently think He could use you for? Yeah. And then see what happens. You well, know? I, you know, we talked about this over the weekend our church playing retreat. Uh, you know, Ephesians three twenty. You know, now to Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than anything we'd ask or think, according to the power that works within us. Yeah. And, and here is God's Spirit residing in us, mm-hmm. uh, His people, His church, and there's so much more that He wants to accomplish and can accomplish if we'll just yield yeah. to that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, uh, and, and, I, and I think for a lot of people, somebody just needs to give them language and license. Yeah. Here, think about these things, and then you have permission to act on them. Yeah. Uh, 
Um, and so, uh, well, I just got, I just got emotional Sunday thinking about a group of church people who are sitting on the pews who realize that they were made for more yeah. and start what could happen. It just right. made me emotional thinking about maybe, maybe them just getting it and what could happen. Yeah. So just turning people loose. You yeah. Know, absolutely. Them. So, great conversation with Matt. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right, we're going to kick it over to story time with Uncle Neil now. It's story time with Uncle Neil. Today's story comes from City Church in Conway and Pastor Joey Cook. Over the last several years, City Church started doing an annual event called Freedom Fest, a special outdoor fun event for people in Conway. As Joey had been praying about how to do something special the next year for Freedom Fest, he got a call from the mayor of Conway and other officials asking them how the city can help with Freedom Fest this year. So on the July 4th weekend of 2017, City Church, as well as the city of Conway, will partner with Freedom Fest. What an amazing story of the sovereignty of God. We want to hear your story. Email us at the grind at absc.org. It's called reading. Top to bottom, left to right. Group words together as a sentence. What is this? I'm still sore I never read Moby Dick. I'm very important. You never read anything I asked you to. Uh, I have many leather-bound books. Let's look at Chad and Dave's bookshelf. All right, on this episode of Dave and Chad's Bookshelf, which I know you are all anxiously awaiting to see if we have read another book or not. And uh, and so uh, for my installment on the bookshelf this week, I highly recommend this book. I'm just about finished with it. Not quite finished with it, but just about finished. We'll probably finish within the next hour or so uh, of reading, Uh, but misreading scripture with Western eyes, uh, removing cultural blinders to better understand the Bible by uh, one of my former professors, E. Randolph Richards, uh, and uh, and then Brandon O'Brien as well, who just went to work with Tim Keller in his City to City uh, uh, ministry. He's going to head that up up there. So congrats, Brandon, on that. And uh, I, this is a fascinating book. Uh, I love, uh, I, I'm an idea guy, and I love reading things that challenge the way I think about things. And one of the things, both these guys have done mission work in Eastern contexts and have made huge blunders in assuming that everybody thinks like Westerners. Mm. And, um, and and the big distinction they kind of make all the way through that shows up in Scripture and, and places where we really do misread Scripture is a difference between a Western individualist mindset mm. and an Eastern, what they call collectivist or communal you know, kind of mindset, uh, where we would think in terms of, uh, always right and wrong, either or, this or that. Hmm. They think in terms of um, honor and shame. Uh, how is this? How is my decision being formed by the community? Not necessarily whether it's right or wrong. Hmm. And the only and the the reason it's right or wrong is either the community approves or disapproves. Uh, And he gives several examples uh, of this. When when Randy was in Indonesia as a missionary, this church group uh, had a a couple that had moved from another village that was wanting to be a part of their church, but they had committed a grievous sin in their former church. And so this current church was trying to decide, do we let them join and be a part of it or not? And so Dr. Richards is, is asking them, okay, well, what was the sin? And the sin was that they got married on the run. They eloped and defied their parents in who they should have married and when. Oh, wow. And that was the grievous sin. And, and he says in this wow. book, and he said, and I kind of looked at them and said, well, what's the big deal with that? <laughs> you know, people elope all the time in the West. But they brought shame to their family and to their community because they 
thought only of themselves and didn't think from the community. So this was a grievous sin there to them. Wow. And, and, you know, and he said, you know, my Western individualist mindset really wrestled with that and struggled mm-hmm. with that. And he said it's very difficult when we read passages in Scripture like, you know, Peter going to Cornelius and Cornelius and his whole household was saved. There are multiple passages in in mm-hmm. in the Gospels. I mean, in the, the Gospels in the in New Testament where whole households yeah. were saved, and that's not. It's difficult to think of that. Okay, did each of them make individual professions of faith? Right. That's not how they thought. Right. Uh, there's a patriarch. There's a matriarch. There's a family collective mindset in this, and so they make these decisions together hmm. uh, for the benefit of the family. And so that's a that's. That's difficult for us to get our hands around uh, mm. sometimes. And, and multiple passages of Scripture where they show this, because uh, the writers of the, the New Testament were Eastern thinkers. Mm. I mean, these are these are Asian people. These are Middle Eastern people. And uh, and they don't think like 21st century Americans. Yeah. And we, we, we have a tendency to forget that sometimes. I, this is, I'm telling you, I cannot recommend this book enough. Mm. Uh, these guys are great guys. I know both of them. Uh, anyway, and they're brilliant thinkers, but they're great writers, good storytellers. Uh, if you're preaching out there, any kind of uh, biblical interpretation you're doing, I, I think this needs to be on your must-read list to help you think through. You know, he, he asked one time. He said, "You need to go down through and 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 read a passage of scripture and say, okay, how would I interpret this from a collectivist position? How would I interpret this from an individualist position?" And what are the pros and cons with each? Wow. I thought that's a that would be a fascinating exercise. Mm-hmm. I haven't done that yet, but I'm going to do that with some of these. Yeah. So I highly recommend it. Great stuff. Yeah, that's neat. That's good. Um, today I am uh, recommending building a discipling culture uh, by Mike Breen. Mike Breen. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just finished this book uh, last week. Uh, really, really, really good. And uh, I've all I've been a huge. Uh, well, I have to say that's a huge fan, but it really shaped me the the up in and out idea. Yeah. All the the life shapes or whatever you call them are good. It's it's a, it's a great book on discipleship and how to make disciples. And, and but up in and out has been the most formational for me. That really that's what Jesus modeled. Yeah. Jesus had his relationship upward relationship with the Father, inward relationship with the disciples, and then outward relationship with people who don't know Jesus. Right. And so I I see everything now through up in and out. Yeah. I see, you know, churches churches that have their, you know, their five statements, you know, worship, grow, connect, serve, go. I mean, that's up in and out. It's yeah. just two of them are up and two of them are in and one of them is out or whatever, yeah. you know. So it really is, I, I think it's holistic. Uh, it, it's every church should be thinking about how, or how are we doing? Are we doing up? Are we doing in? Are we doing out? And and typically uh, churches end up doing two or so of them pretty well. You yeah. know, we're uh, we're doing good. We're, we're doing worship gatherings. We're connect, trying to get people connected to God on a daily basis in their relationship with him. We're, we're getting together for fellowship. We have community groups, but not doing mission. Yeah. You know, or a lot of church plants maybe have a good upward and outward, but not a lot of inward because yeah. they're so focused on uh, reaching out, reaching out, reaching out. They don't think about pastoring the community mm-hmm. and loving the community and, uh, cultivating community in the church where we actually love each other and spend time with each other. And, you know, then there, then there are even some who, you know, (laughs) connecting to each other and a cause and a mission is important, but you know, whether or not God's involved in that is, is kind of optional. So, uh, that, that was crucial. I mean, the, the whole book is really, really, really good. I think it's a great manual for even training people on how to be disciples and disciple makers, but uh, thoroughly enjoy, enjoyed it and uh, highly recommend it. Yeah. I just noticed uh, our buddy Tim Ketchum, who's planning uh, uh, One Life uh, Church in Nashville, yeah. uh, and uh, he's a vineyard guy, but great guy. And he just sent out an email. I'm on his email list and sent out an email where he talks about their monthly rhythm of One Life. And and he had posted his calendar for this month, and he's got all these dots on his calendar for different days and the things they're doing. And every one of them either had an up, an in, or an out in yeah. it. 
and and you see the balance in their calendar, just their the way they're trying, the rhythms they're trying to live, yeah. to make sure that they're engaging all three of those yes. avenues. And I thought that's that was a great visual yeah. for what this looks like, yeah. and with our whole lives, not just what we do on Sundays, right. But uh, how are we worshiping throughout the week? You know, how are we strengthening one another throughout the week? And then how are we engaging our community throughout the week? And so I think that'd be a great exercise for for people in churches to do. Yes. To think through a month and say, okay, how is this really, not just what we declare it to be, but what's real? Yeah. Audit, audit yes. your rhythms, audit yes. your personal rhythms, audit your church rhythms, sit down with your church leadership team and say, okay, what are we doing? Yep. Write it on a whiteboard and then take all of those things and organize them and up in and out and That's see right. what it's weighted towards. Yep. Yep. And then that'll show you where you need to take steps to in the same way with our personal yep. lives. What are we doing? Okay. Put it on a whiteboard. Where is it weighted? And, yep. uh, and put stuff on the calendar. Yeah. Uh, don't just dream about it. Talk about it. Yeah. Okay, you've got a list now. Now go do it. You know, yeah. Put it on the calendar. Uh, yeah. You know, so. I, I really appreciated uh, Breen because it, it's really based on how Jesus made disciples. Yeah, it is. And, and I man, I feel like we have missed the whole point of discipleship yeah. according to Jesus. Yeah. And we have made it all about information transfer instead of life transformation. Yeah. And we've got to get back to discipling the way Jesus did, which is stupid, simple. Yeah. Yeah. The, the idea of it, <laughs> yeah. but, but actually doing it and, um, it's going to take some adjustment, but we we got to get back to it. So, and, and he's the one that's got the great quote. You know, if you if you make disciples, the church will gather. Yes. If you plant a church, you may not get around to making disciples. That's right. And uh, uh, we want the the horse before the car. You make disciples, you always get a church. That's right. Always Start a church, you might not make. It's going to happen. That's right. All right. Well, thanks for listening again. Uh, always have fun doing this, Matt. Great interview with Matt. Uh, looking forward to uh, some cool stuff coming up with Nathan James and Grant Harrison from Epic Church. Uh, George Ross, uh, Sin City Missionary in New Orleans. Uh, love George and what they're doing down there. You'll look forward to that one. Uh, you've got uh, Sam Roberts from First Stuttgart coming up, talking about church partnership. Just some neat things uh, coming up. And so, uh, uh, you know, feel free to uh, shoot us a note, uh, you know, at thegrind at absc.org. Is that right? The Grind? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, check us out on Twitter, The Grind AR. um, And uh, shoot us a review on iTunes. Uh, We'll send you a handy-dandy grind mug and a free book. Who doesn't like free books? Then you can have your own bookshelf and uh, stuff or your to be read pile you know whatever whatever you choose and so uh but thanks for listening and uh thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time folks keep grinding